and um, we'll talk about some other challenging things. And so, <clears throat> let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then uh, we'll get into this tonight. <clears throat> got got a lot of prayer requests tonight. Uh, some of you probably already know it. Uh, Gary and Elaine uh, have been blessed with another. They got COVID again. All right. But he said Jenny was doing good at taking care of them. So anyway, COVID again. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you tonight, Lord, we thank you so much for <clears throat> this opportunity. Heavenly Father, how we ask that, God, that you would challenge our hearts tonight. And Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would put it in our hearts, Heavenly Father, to be what we should, even though it's contrary to what we want to be and in this flesh. Lord, may the Holy Spirit that dwells within us have power over the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And now, Father, glorify yourself in what's done. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. <clears throat> we, we talk about loving the unlovable. You know, we can talk about it. But <clears throat> the Bible tells us to do it. And, boy, that's a challenge at times, isn't it? So, we're going to look at two things tonight. I was going to use Matthew and Luke. As you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the synoptic gospels. They tell the same story just in a different way. And then John is different. And so, <clears throat> I picked Matthew's out of this. And so, let's just get started with it tonight. And uh, we'll, we'll see what we can find here that's practical. Something that will challenge us some. Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 to 48. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, that changes everything, doesn't it? But I say unto you, <clears throat> wow, that means regardless of how you was thinking, now you've got to hear and change your thinking. And, uh, you know, the first time I ever heard somebody talk like that, he said, you've got to listen and change your thinking. Regardless of how you're thinking, you've got to listen and change your thinking. <clears throat> and what he was doing was teaching a lesson on, on explosives. And he, think, he was talking about the fact that everybody thinks explosives, all explosives just blow up. Up and out, right? Poof. Uh, well, they don't. Some explosives, the concussion blows down. Some explosives blow out. And so there's, there's a difference. You've got to know what to do. And then some explosives just blow up everything I mean they'll blow in and out and so once you learn what which one does what then you can use it accordingly and that's that's very important just like debt cord it looks like plastic clothesline rope but believe it or not it, it blows it blows at 26,000 feet a second so in other words you take a whole clothesline rope run it run it run it when you blow it the whole thing looks like it blows at once. Boom, that's how fast it blows. And, uh, <clears throat> but you can use it for cutting 55-gallon drums in half. You can use it for cutting trees down. You can use it for a lot of stuff because of the way it explodes. So the Lord says, but I say unto you. So that means regardless of how we were thinking, even if we had a bad case of stinking thinking, we've got now to have to think, listen, and think differently. We have to listen and do differently. That's the challenge for all of us, period. Love your enemies. 
Boy, that's easily that's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Uh, I want to show you something. In in Matthew here, we have humans praying for humans. That's what we got. Us praying for them. See that? So, we find then, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pray for them. Now, that's a challenge, isn't it? I mean, my soul, that's a challenge for us. And uh, we, we look at that and, boy, if it wasn't for the presence of the Holy Spirit opening up the Word of God and challenging us from the Word of God, that would be totally impossible for us. But uh, we find that, but I say unto you, in other words, are we going to do what the Lord says? Are we going to do our way? Well, we know how that's going to go. If we do it our way, it'll go wrong for sure. I could, boy, I could give you a, a year's worth of illustrations out of that one. But he says here, now watch this, but I say, do you love your enemies? Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. A lot of people can handle a lot. But when people despitefully use you, that's a hard thing to deal with. And because uh, none of us like being used. I mean, it just it just hits us all wrong, doesn't it? And so I find here, he says, pray for them. Now, verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. So now the purpose of us Listening, but I say unto you, and doing, that's where the word hearken comes in, it means to hear and do, is that ye, that's us, plural, that ye may be the children of your Father. So, we look at the long-suffering of God, and, wow, if we're going to be like God with long-suffering and compassion then we're looking at what you and I need to do. Now watch, there's something here. I've highlighted two things here for you. In verse 46, it says, For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? In Luke, when you read that, it said, Don't sinners do this for sinners? And don't sinners do this for sinners? Verse 47. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? In Luke it says the sinners do this for sinners. Alright? So what we're going to find here there is this. We're called... To live above the publicans and the sinners. We're called to think different, act different, do different. And you see, the publicans do that and the sinners do that. Publicans do that, sinners do that. Well, if you and I just do what the publicans and the sinners do, then... We're not reaching very high, are we? See, that, that's so important for you and me. Uh, the norm of society is not our norm. The norm of society 
It's just a foundation for you and me to work off of. We need to move above the norm of society. That's a challenge for us, isn't it? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Woo! Boy, why don't you, why don't you just throw out a standard there for us? My goodness! Look at the standard that's set. And uh, can you and I ever reach that perfection? No. No. There's a lot of places in the Word of God where we find the standard is set. It's set high for you and me. It gives us a lifetime challenge to do that. And... uh, If there's anything that really challenged me when God first saved me, boy, it it just, it was simply my thinking had to change about a lot of stuff. And uh, then it just wasn't the thinking of it, then it was the doing of it. And so we find then, in this first thing, pray for them. That's humans. Praying for humans. You see that? And what a challenge that is but uh, for us to do that. Especially uh, when we're at the receiving end of hatred, abuse, persecution. Wow. That gets rough. You know that? And uh, so... As I look at this, I just kind of want to use this to get us started in this. You and I are challenged to live above the publicans and the sinners. You and I are challenged to live above what the rest do. We're challenged to live above the cultural standards. To live above that. We are challenged to live a godly standard. We're to live uh, according to, but I say unto you. That is going to be our rule of faith and practice. But I say unto you. Regardless of what the culture does, regardless of what society does, uh, you and I have a higher standard. And... uh, Boy, it's a challenge to live that standard, isn't it? I mean, welcome to the human race. But it's a challenge. But it's a challenge that you and I need to pick up and carry. It's a challenge you and I need to look at every day of our lives. And, uh, you know, why are you doing this? Because the Lord told me to. That's, that's, just, that's good enough reason right there, isn't it? Sure is. All right, now, let's take the rest of the time. I want you to go to John 17. And we're going to look at some things here that's going to reveal a whole lot to you and me. Now, the Lord's talking. When we talk about John 17, uh, this, this is one of the Lord's prayers. Now, I've always considered John 17 the Lord's prayer, period. And um, because that's what it is. So now, lean back, take a breath, warm up your ink pen, and here we go. Let's see what we can find out of this that'll challenge you and me. Let's see what we can find out of this that'll give you and me direction in life. Let's see what we can find here that'll cause you and me all right, to say, all right, I need to say something. I need to do something. I need to make a change. All right, Lord, help me with this. Here we go. This is the Jesus praying. He says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. The first thing I want you to see is this. Those people that God has saved, I want you to notice something. God the Father has taken these that He has saved, 
He gave them to the Son, all right, out of the world. Thine they were, thou gavest them. I mean, now look at this. And they have kept thy word. There's something I want you to mark there. And that's this. The reality that when God works in somebody's life and changes their life and calls them into his life, look what it says. They have kept thy word. There's something about a human soul that has been encountered by the Holy Ghost of God and God the Father and God the Son, they're going to keep the Word of God. The Word of God is going to become extremely valuable to them. And uh, so it is. I mean, prior to my salvation... There's no value in the Word of God to me. After my salvation, my Word. I just wanted to read it. I wanted to study it. I wanted something, help, you know, whatever. Things change. So now, look what we've got. We've got God the Father saving some men, and then He gives those men to the Son, and those men are faithful to the Word of God. The first challenge is this. If there's anything we need today, it's men and women that God has saved. And that'll be one of the things that's going to be manifested in their lives is their willingness to keep the Word of God. All right? Their willingness to keep the Word of God. Remember something. The Word of God is extremely important to you and me. Because it tells us what has happened, what's presently happened, what's going to happen. And uh, if there's anything we're going to be judged out of, it's going to be judged out of the book according to the Word of God. Watch this now, verse 7. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. They have known. Boy, we could get into Matthew 13 and begin to look and realize that the Bible teaches us that the saved person, they'll see things that the lost will not see. They'll hear things that the lost will not hear. And uh, boy... They'll experience things that others will not experience. And he says here, Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. How in the world did they know that? How did they know that? One, boy, God revealed it to them through His Word. And they kept the Word. Verse 8, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. Now look at this. Not only here in John 17, 8, we find that, boy, those people that God had saved, one of the things you see about those men is that they kept the Word of God in verse 6. Then you find now that they have received the Word of God. They have received Him from God the Son and have known and surely that I came out from thee and they have believed that thou didst send me. Well, you know something? That's exactly what happens to a sinner. Boy, you, you don't know anything about God and Christ all wrapped up in your sinful life. And then the Spirit of God begins to go to work on you, shows you a sin, shows you that you're a sinner needing a Savior. Boy, it puts you in this dilemma. Hell is hot and it's waiting for you. What you going to do? Then the answer comes. 
There's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Lamb of God. Boy, that paid the supreme price on Calvary's cross for you and me. And boy, when you see that, then there's hope. There's your hope. And He said, they, they have believed that Thou didst send Me. So there's something now. Uh, somebody that's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we do? We believe that God the Father has sent God the Son. I mean, without a doubt. We look at that and we know that. And we're thankful for that. And praise God for that. And so we see then these... There's a guy had some notes on this out of the 1700s. He said, let me show you what a saved, a truly saved person acts like. And uh, let me show you what a truly saved person knows. And he went through John 17 here, pulling these things out. Now we find in verse 9, go there. I pray for them. Now you've got Christ praying for these saved people. Up here you had pray for them. You had a human praying for human. Down here you've got the Son of God, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ Himself praying for the humans. Praise God for that, huh? Now, have you ever thought about this? When you and I pray that your prayers are eternal. You know, when you go through the Word of God and you look at boxes, bottles, and books at the judgment seat of Christ, you realize, boy, there's the tear bottle. Uh, there, there's the prayer wick. Uh, and there it's sitting before you. Realize that, boy, I've heard some fabulous testimonies how moms and dad had prayed for children and stuff and they died off and after that boy the, they all got saved God saved them all uh, there's a reality to that and one of the things that boy when you and I go through the word of God and study the reality that prayers are eternal wow what a powerful force that is what a reality that is and uh, you and I must realize that there's a power in prayer that has no end to it. There's a power in prayer that you and I can pray and rejoice in it. Praise God for that. So in verse 9 he said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. But for them which thou hast given me. So the Lord Jesus Christ is praying specifically for them. Wow. That is powerful stuff. Now just think. We could depart from this and we'll find where Christ was praying for believers. Uh, you don't have to worry about those prayers not being answered. I mean, the prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ are going to be answered. All right? I pray not for the world. The Lord, we could go through the Word of God and we find many times when God said, don't pray for Him. You know, I've shared that with you in the past also. But for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Verse 10. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Amen. That's how Christ is glorified. In us. Boy, when our lives bring glory and honor to Him, that's glorifying Christ. When we say, no, world, 
I'm going to do it God's way. That brings glory and honor to Him. When you and I stay true to the Word of God, uh, that is, boy, that's bringing glory and honor to Him. When you and I stay true to the truths of the Word of God, and remember something, one of the most important things you and I can ever grab out of the Word of God is this. Uh, the Bible deals in absolutes. And uh, God deals in absolutes. And one of the things about teaching and preaching the Word of God, whether it be you in your home or me up here, is the reality that we've got to deal in absolutes. Uh there's so much happening in the world around us right now that's absolutely wrong. And it's absolutely sin. Whether we want to say it or not, it is. That's what it is. You see, it's absolute. There's no gray area with God in these things. Either it's right or it's wrong. That's it. Absolutes. Either you're saved or you're lost. That's it. You see. And so we find that what we're looking at here is the Lord Jesus Christ is dealing in absolutes when it comes to His prayer life. I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for them. You can count on it. He's absolutely not praying for the world. He's absolutely praying for them. What a blessing that is. Just think about that. All right. Now, watch verse 12. Now, I'm going to have to slow down here in these next few verses. I'm going to keep my time. Time goes by so fast. While I was with them in the world... I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. You see, this verse as a, just a theology class in itself. First of all, I want you to see this. While I was with them in the world, Christ came into the world, didn't He? And look what He says. He was here. I kept them by their name. In other words, He protected them. He guarded them. He educated them. He commissioned them. He sent them out. He directed them. Everything in the name of God. Wow. Then he says, Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. I kept them. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition. Of course, we know who that is, don't we? Judas. That's Judas. But look what it says that the Scripture might be fulfilled. You see, Scripture reveals truth to you and me. That's why we have this thing called systematic theology. As you systematically go through the Word of God, and what you find then, it reveals truth to you. And so what we see then is what we're looking for is these absolute truths in the Word of God. And so as we search the Scriptures, as we expound the Scriptures, what we find then is we look at this that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Wow. You know, we could pick that up and spend an hour on that thing alone. The fulfilling of Scripture. The betrayal of Christ by Judas. What was it? It was prophetic. 
It was told that's God's plan. It was going to work out. And uh, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Scripture reveals things to you and me. And uh, sometimes, uh, perfect, I, I, years ago, uh, somebody, do you, some of you might remember The Rifleman, the old television program, The Rifleman, back 40 years ago. Anyway, uh, Chuck Connors made a statement. And I thought, man, that's, that's the way we are. Chuck Connors, somebody said, oh, one of these days, I told The Rifleman, oh, one of these days, just think, uh, the loud will come up with something that will replace the horse. And Chuck Connors and the other guys kind of laughed and said, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't, I, I don't think that's going to happen too, too soon. You see. But the reality of it is, I thought to myself, that's just exactly how I am and you are. That's exactly how we are. The prophecies in the Word of God sometimes are just set. They're there. They're right in our face. But because of our inability to comprehend that, unless God conveys it to us, we don't get it. We just don't, we don't get it. And... Uh, uh, you know, I've heard enough old preachers preach that are long since dead. And man, they preached. I mean, they, 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 I mean, from, <laughs> from the time that Elvis Presley got on the Ed Sullivan show and started shaking all over the place and people started burning their te- televisions and shooting their TVs and all that stuff, calling the TVs demons and everything and Boy, the fuss and the feud and the fight and went over that. And uh, I, I never will forget, went down to Georgia in one of the little towns down in Georgia. They all piled up their TVs in a big old thing, stood back with a bunch of rifles, shot them, didn't burn them. And uh, uh, all because of all, all the preachers got together and said, listen, here's what's going to happen. The influence of that music, the influence of this social system, the influence of this society, uh, it's going to destroy the next few generations. And those few generations will destroy America. And uh, boy, they went down the line like that. Everybody made fun of them. Everybody, you know, talked about them. Uh, but one of, them, one of them old fellows was standing there, one of them old preachers, yeah, I never forget him. He said, they might as well laugh while they can. I'll be dead. But he turned around and looked at some young guys, and I was one of them. He said, but if you're alive, when you're in your 70s, you'll see it. You'll see it. And uh, I thought to myself, I really don't want to see it. But I'm seeing it. You know why? Because it's a fulfillment of Scripture. You reap what you sow, the Bible says. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Whatsoever a nation sows, that shall they also reap. That's that's the truth. And so, as I look at this, the only person he lost that the Scripture might be fulfilled. I want you to know something, simply this. We need to pray for one another, for sure. Because you're living in a time... When Scripture is, is the prophecies of the Scripture is being fulfilled. I mean, just think about this. Right there where I live, you know, I said Sunday I was talking about the kids outside playing all that stuff. Just think about this. If you stood and looked right at my house, on the left side, that lady left her house, drove out of that area, drove right up, hit one, turned right, went about 200 yards, and a boy went ran across the street to get the mail, ran back across the street, and she hit him and killed him. If you're looking at my house, now that's the lady who lives right to my left. Now if you look to the house on my right, 
That was a young couple over there, harebrained. Invited them to church, and they said, "Oh no, we don't want. We don't go to church. We don't have time for church. We're too busy." And so they come home one day, and what happens? Their little, about three-year-old boy had been playing with the neighbor's kids down here. They bring him home. They go in the house. And they didn't keep too good of an eye on that boy, but that little boy had been swimming down there, so he comes up to their house, gets home. What's he do? He figures out if I can play in that swimming pool, I can play in that swimming pool. He crawls up in that swimming pool, next thing you know, he's drowned, dead. Dead as a hammer. You see, so when I look at my house, and I think that woman right there killed a boy down the street, that family over there let their boy drown, maybe, 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 uh, in both cases, it's just neglect on the parents' part. You see? And uh, so I thought to myself, you know, maybe if I yell and scream, rant and rave at you parents, you'll keep your children alive rather than neglecting them, letting them go kill themselves. Uh, by doing something stupid. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it far from us. And uh, the rod of correction, you know what I read today uh, in, in, in relation to this? I was looking at stuff. But uh, there was a statement made that just rattled me. It said, most young parents today do not know how to discipline the children. And I thought to myself, hmm, and uh, that was interesting to me. So I looked, I, I did ask one family. They said, well, that's, that's our method of training. I, uh-uh. Training and discipline is two different things. And so, so I got my dictionary out. I looked at training. Training was one thing. I looked at discipline. Discipline was something else. Totally two different things. Listen, you can't do training as a substitute for discipline and discipline it's not going to be a substitute for training. They work together. They work together. All right? But they're two separate things. Go home, look in your dictionary. Look at the definition of the two. All right? That the Scripture might be fulfilled. Well, a lot of fulfilling of Scripture today. Uh, boy, the destruction of the family. Uh, throwing God out of everything. And... Uh, uh, the Sodomites and others wanting us to accept their sin as normal. And if you're saved, blood-washed, born again, that's an impossibility for us. There's no way in the world we can do that. We cannot accept that as normal because it's not. That's all there is to it. Witness to them, yes. Accept them, no. All right, verse 13. Watch this now. And uh, now come I to thee... And these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. One thing about a saved person, we can have the joy of the Lord in us. And even in bad times. You know, there's something we can trust in the Lord, we can rely on that and have that joy. Verse 14 I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Wow. Listen. When you receive the word of God, begin to live and represent the word of God... The lost world around you is going to hate you. The Bible says the world is at enmity with God. And so we find then, I have given them, I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them. Why did the world hate them? It's because they represented the word of God. They believed the word of God. They accepted the word of God. Uh, they, that was the Word of God was their standard. The Word of God became their absolute. You see. And listen, when the Word of God becomes your absolute, you're going to be in conflict with the world. Period. That's it. 
That's something we can accept. We don't have to run from that. That's just the way it is. You see, the reality of that truth sometimes is so challenging to you and me. But that's the truth. It's what the Word of God says, didn't it? All right. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Let's think about this, folks. When God saved you, He changed your citizenship. What do you think about that? That's good, isn't it? When God saved you, He changed your citizenship. Now, now you're living in a world that, that uh, you don't belong in now. So you're in conflict with it. And so we find then, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Boy, you know when you view... Hey, have you ever looked at something and looked at it and saw it for what it really was? Even yourself at times, you know. And boy, when you see something for what it really is, it changes, doesn't it? Whether it be you, people around you, other things, but it changes. And as you view it, because you see it, everything changes. I have I saw for what it really was. Let me give you a quick example. Uh, when Amway first came on the scene back in the seventies, uh, everybody was buying Amway products. I mean, all that, man, I, I knew so many guys that was going to buy Amway and sell it and become millionaires. I saw guys. Gets it tied into that stuff that that they 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 had garages full of it. Then they then they turned around and tried to sell it for a dime on a dollar because they couldn't get rid of all that product that they'd bought. And uh, I mean, it, it 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 promised millions to the guys that sold them the product. <laughs> but I mean, there was all kinds of people getting involved in that thing. And one fellow looked at me and he said, "Man." He said, this is terrible. He said, uh, if I could have just really seen what this was before I got involved in it, it would have saved me a fortune. He said, now I've got a garage of product. I need to sell it. And he said, they're not going to buy it back. And so, you know, over the years, I've watched a lot of people get involved in that. And... Uh, Boy, when you see something for what it really is, there's no middle ground in that, is there? Man, I mean, either either you get an A plus or an F minus. That's just it. I see it for what it really is. All right. So you all of a sudden now these people are no longer of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse fifteen. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Oh, my soul, you talk about about a thousand sermons on that statement right there. Keep them from the evil. We, listen, we might read that, but we don't understand the depth and the breadth of that statement. We don't understand. Keep them from evil. My word, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Just think about this for a second. Uh, How many times you could have been killed in a car wreck? How many times you could have been messed up with some disease? How many times, boy, something happened around you? And uh, how many times things have happened around you and God just kept you from it? Just just kept you from it. Man, I, I mean, just... Just got between you and it, done something. I mean, it's just miraculous what God has done to keep you from the evil. And um, you see, we read a little tiny statement like that, but until we actually see the depth and the breadth of that statement, it's just a little statement. 
But boy, once you and I begin to see the depth and the breadth of that statement, oh, then it turns out, praise God, look what God has done. I mean, God has done wonderful things for you and me. My goodness. I mean, you go back and just think about all the times you could have been killed on a bicycle, motorcycle, car wreck, uh, working with tools and, and on the job. And, thing, and God's kept you from evil? Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, just testimony after testimony after testimony we could have on that one. Uh, my soul, that's what He's done. Verse 16 now. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Now he makes the statement again. But now let me show you the importance of the Word of God. Verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. You see the importance of the Word of God in your life and my life. The importance of the Word of God. Like I've told you before, when God first saved me, an old boy in the military, he, 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 uh, he told me, he said, listen, he said, I want you to do this. You, you start reading Proverbs and John. He said, now Psalms is prayers, Proverbs is wisdom, and the Gospel of John will teach you a whole lot about theology and Christ and everything. And uh, man, so for the first six months that I was saved, I read Proverbs every month. I just read chapter a day. Took me through Proverbs every month. And uh, boy, was that a life-changing experience for me. I mean, that was a life-changing experience for me. And so we find and sanctify them through thy truth. In other words, the Word of God has a sanctifying effect upon you and me as we read the Word of God. Boy, I mean, the Word of God says, do this, don't do that. Don't do this, do that. Don't think like this, think like that. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I mean, the Word of God tells us how to think. The Word of God tells us what to listen to. Even David said in Psalm 103, he said, I'll, I'll set no wicked thing before mine eyes. And uh, we, we realize that the Word of God uh, has this ability to bring some sanctification, some cleanliness in our thinking, mind, actions, and life. Remember something. Our, the quality of our life is founded in our yeses and our noes. And you see, we've got to have some type of foundation to make a yes or a no. Let me give you all an example. I walked into a class one time and sat down. And... Uh, the first thing the instructor said was, does anybody have any questions before I get started? And I thought, now that's stupid. And he looked at me and he said, do you have any questions? I said, sir, why don't you teach something? And then we might have enough knowledge of, some, of this to, to have a question. I said, but right now I'm sitting here. I said, I don't have enough knowledge of this thing. I have a question. So why don't you teach something and then I'm sure somebody in this class might have a question. And you see, what happens so often is that we look at things and we don't have the knowledge to ask the right question. But the Word of God will teach you and me. And we'll start questioning our actions, our words, what we see, what we allow in our life. And remember something, it will become a foundation for our yeses and our noes. And that's what you and me need. We, we need to have something in our lives 
that will give us stability when it comes to our yeses and our noes. In other words, if I say no to something, somebody might say, well, why did you say no? Uh, I, I might say yes to something. And somebody might say, why did you say yes to that? I might say yes and then think, why did I say yes? Myself. I might say no and say, well, that was stupid. Why did I say no? Isn't that right? You've, you've been there done that, haven't you? You see, but there's a reality to this. The Word of God is the foundation for our yeses and our noes. That's why it's so important. I, I know one lady, her children know more Bible than most preachers I know. Because everything she's done with those kids... I mean, it's scripture. They'll they'll want to do this, want to do that, say this, that, and I, I mean, she she gives them a verse for everything, and they got to memorize the verse. And they get to acting a little crazy, and and he'll say, "What's the Bible say?" Uh, we know, we know. Children, obey your parents because this is pleasing to the Lord, right? And uh, I mean, man, verse, verse, verse. Those kids live off the Word of God. I mean, those kids, even though even though there's four of them. And even though those children are small, they, they all know the Word of God. And uh, even the oldest one, I think the oldest one's 12 years old, but everything they, they do, their yeses, their noes, their actions, everything, it belongs to the Word of God. They got a verse for everything. And uh, to end this, I want you to know we got these two places where it says pray for them, right? So, one, us humans need to pray for the other humans. You know that? We need to pray for them. Two, we got the Lord praying for us. I pray for them. I don't know about you, but I do know this. You and I can be very, 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 very thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ is praying for you and me. Isn't that good? That's good. All righty. Time is...